Good. My name's Stephen. Like Bernadette said, we're really excited to be joining the team here. Excited to be a part of Vineyard Hopkinton. And I'm, I'm Sarah. Uh, like Bernadette said, we are joining the team as job sharing a part-time associate's position. Um, so I'll be around and Stephen will be around. We're both um, job sharing that position. Uh, we'll be focusing on evangelism and outreach, uh, getting folks uh, in the community, uh, reaching them in some creative and interesting ways. We're excited to see what that looks like, connecting with folks who are new to the church, whether that's first-time visitors, second, third visitors, helping them uh, plug in and get connected well, um, and then also really focusing on the under 40 crew, of which we happen to be a part. <laughs> which is probably helpful for reaching them, I guess. Um, I know many of you had have asked us, and so we wanted to just toss out a little bit, because many of you have seen us when we were in another role. Prior, we were church planning in Providence with the Vineyard. So just wanted to walk you through a little bit of that, what, what's been going on over the past six months. About uh, at the beginning of the year, we, kind of, we were reaching uh, a crucial spot with the church plant uh, where we were kind of discerning whether or not uh, it was going to continue on and praying about that a lot. We felt like with uh, the Holy Spirit was speaking to us about it and other people, advisors were sharing with us and we were all kind of on the same page that it was time to close the church plant uh, so we started that process we saw God do a lot of good things in Providence in the two years we were there uh, people came to know Jesus we had really good outreaches happening lots of relationships were built but when you're church planning you want one thing to happen more than any other thing you actually want a church and that part of it wasn't quite coming together uh, and so we discerned that that was how God was leading. So we closed the church plant and began really discerning and praying about what was next. Uh, and over the course of the past five or so months, uh, we're really excited that this is where that path led to. Uh, and talking with Rob and Liz and just seeing what God was up to as we were all praying about it separately and then together, uh, we're excited that this is where Jesus has placed us. So Thanks for inviting us, mm -hmm. for bringing us here. We're happy about this. Uh -huh. So this morning, we just really wanted to share a bit of our story, our testimony, uh, get to know you guys as we start ministry here, and share what God's put on our hearts um, for doing ministry in Milford and Hopkinton. So would you pray with me uh, as we start? Jesus, we thank you for your presence here with us. We say... Come, Holy Spirit, would you be speaking to our hearts um, about whatever it is you want to highlight in this message from scriptures, um, anything in our story that resonates with people, we come to you with open hearts, Jesus. We are yours. Would you lead us? Would you guide us? We want, we want you to do something in our hearts and our minds this morning. And we know that you want to do something in our hearts and our minds this morning. So we come to you open-handed. We, we say, would your kingdom come and your will be done in our hearts, in this church, and in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, so I'm a native of Connecticut, uh, and I really started following Jesus in college. It might seem like a slightly unlikely place to start following Jesus, uh, but Jesus is always a, a compelling figure. And you know, the gospel is just always 
good news. Growing up, uh, my family was Episcopalian. We went to a very, very small Episcopal church in our likewise very small town in Connecticut. Every summer I would go to a vacation Bible school, and I, I knew that God was real, and I knew that I needed God, but that was about as far as, as it went until I, I went to college. And then my first week of college, I, I went to my, my first frat party, my first Bible study, and my first prayer meeting. Lots of firsts. <laughs> Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut, where I went, they had a very small university Christian fellowship group on campus. And it's there that I really discovered the, the joy of following Jesus. Um, I, I experienced freedom, freedom from shame, freedom from the pressure to, to secede and to prove myself. Um, I felt freedom to, to love others without worrying about getting something in return, um, and the love of Jesus to forgive those who had hurt me, especially those in my family. I, I started praying. I started uh, uh, reading the Bible. I think people were pretty surprised about what my freshman year of college was, was looking like. Um, but experiencing Christian community with just the, the few people in that Christian group, I had, I had friends who, who we prayed together. It was, it was wonderful. We talked about the deep things that were really going on uh, in our lives. You know, the gospel and the, the power of what Jesus has, has done for us, when you really experience that for the first time, I mean, it's just, it's wonderful. I mean, we can talk about it in the church and be like, oh, Jesus died for us and he rose again. But when you really experience what it's like for the first time, it's amazing. In Jesus' death, I mean, he takes on the worst. I experienced my, my anxieties and fears, my loneliness, my, my failures, my guilt, just being dealt with head on. Growing up, we did not talk about bad stuff. If you sinned, you got over it and you were quiet about it. But Jesus dealt with the worst openly. And then, and then comes the resurrection, and there's new hope and new life. And when I really started following Jesus, my freshman year of college, it was like that, that hope was almost tangible to me. Hope based in something other than what I could or could not manufacture or, or perform. My college was not a likely place to, to start following Jesus. When I first started there, um, the, in our three-story stu three student union building at the center of campus, um, we would have these triple-decker parties hosted by the, the Student Government Association. Everything was paid for by the school. And the first floor was beer, the second floor was wine, the third floor was hard alcohol. The entire school went, everyone was over 21. And it was just, it was crazy. And the problem wasn't the drinking, though I think the emergency room at Hartford Hospital might have disagreed with me on that one. Um, <laughs> the problem was just like the total like self-indulgence and pursuit of pleasure and, and hedonism. Um, it was a pretty materialistic place, the right clothes, um, the right cars. Um, the, the, the dial was turned all the way up on the successful, wealthy American dream. 
my Christian group was about 12 people, give or take, and had a definite inferiority complex. But it was there that I really started following Jesus. Because I think in some ways, I didn't know any better. I didn't know that I was supposed to feel marginalized, living differently. I didn't know that my Christian group was supposed to be cooler. I just knew that following Jesus was working out really well for me. And I was happier then than I had ever been before. So following uh, college, um, I got really involved in the Christian group there. Following college, I uh, went overseas for uh, a number of years with a missions organization. Uh, I worked primarily with Chinese Muslims, kind of fell into that, uh, saw a couple of uh, Muslims get baptized. Uh, it was really, yeah, a wonderful time. Um, came back to the States to live with my sister um, and worked in youth ministry in a church there. And um, when I was there I uh, at this church, I really saw, I think Jesus showed me a picture for what the local church could be. You know, I was new from living overseas and um, kind of figuring out some things. And uh, I really just got a vision for what the local church could be, really loving their community, um, active and involved together, praying together, receiving the love of Jesus to then pour it out on the rest of the community. And it was really, it was really beautiful. Um, one of my favorite quotes says that Jesus died not to get us into heaven, but to get heaven into us. And when I saw a vision for, you know, what some of that could look like for, for getting heaven into us and then into our communities, I was like, I'd like to be part of that. Uh, and for me, a call to more full-time ministry um, that involved seminary, um, which is where our paths cross and where I met Stephen. Yeah. So my background's a little bit different. I, uh, for me, kind of calling and my testimony have gone slightly hand in hand. I was a pastor's kid, so I quite literally spent as much time growing up at church as I did at my house. Uh, I don't think that that's a stretch to say. I've thought about it a little bit, and I definitely uh, spent a lot of time at church, which was great. One of the great things about that was that I got to see what the pastor's life looked like, right? You know, an inside view of what this would look like for the rest of my life, right there, up close and personal. Uh, and from a really young age, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. When most four-year-old boys were playing Legos, uh, cops and robbers, or making just a general mess outside, I was setting up my toys in a half round and preaching to them. <laughs> no lie. <laughs> it was fairly evident from a very young age that this is what I was called to do. I'm not going to say those sermons were good, but, uh, you know, practice, right? <laughs> so, in, in a lot of ways, my awareness of Jesus has kind of developed in a similar way that that calling has developed. Uh, I didn't know how my life would look as, at four years old, and in some ways, I, my connection to Jesus, I didn't know how that would look when I was that age. I, was, uh, I prayed the prayer. If you've been around church a little bit, you know what that phrase means when I was like, 
two or three years old, so really, really young. Uh, I was baptized when I was 11. Uh, it was Easter Sunday and my dad's birthday, and he baptized me. So it was a good day. Mm-hmm. It was a happy thing. Mm-hmm. But as I grew up, I did kind of struggle with claiming it as my own because I was, it was just kind of what we did, you know? Uh, it was a very all-encompassing part of our family life. Mm-hmm. And having your parents as your pastors can be great. There's no denying that it, it has some hiccups along the way. Uh, for instance, when the voice of God sounds a heck of a lot like the voice of your dad, it's a little complicated, right? <laughs> Not bad, but complicated. When I was uh, around 16, I was really kind of struggling with figuring all this out and fitting together what I still kind of felt like I wanted to do with this reality that what I was seeing in my life didn't really match up. And we went on vacation to Florida for a couple of weeks. And like good uh, pastor's families, what did we do on Sunday? We went to the closest church that my parents knew the pastors at. Uh, So we went there on Sunday morning. uh, And after the service, which I was not a big fan of going to church on vacation, by the way. That was work. Which, I was like, can we not do work on a vacation? But we went. And so when the youth pastor ran over after church to invite my sister and I to go to youth group that night, in my head, I gave a very hard no. Unfortunately, I didn't say it quite fast enough. So my parents were very happy to say for us that we would be there that night. Yay, real excited. So that night... As I was standing most of the way back, uh, not engaging, just kind of stewing in my own negativity, watching people, uh, I kept noticing these two guys up front, kind of, you know, like right here, right in front of the platform. And what caught my eye was not that they were, you know, on their knees worshiping. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. That was, nor- that was kind of normal. But it was who they were. Because I'm 16, I'm very well trained in the art of recognizing that certain types of people should not be around other types of people, especially in kind of vulnerable and open ways, right? So when I see one guy who's dressed in standard 90s uh, preppy fare, you know, he's got Abercrombie all over, his collar's popped, kneeling on the ground, worshiping next to a guy who's obviously from the other side of the tracks, Mm -hmm. whose pants were so low that things were showing that you don't really want showing at the front of the sanctuary. When I saw those two guys up there kneeling together, Mm -hmm. praying, worshiping Jesus, Mm -hmm. something about it really grabbed me. Mm -hmm. It grabbed a hold of me, and it did something in my heart. And at that moment, I looked at that, and I said, okay, Jesus, If that's what you do, then I want it. If that's what you're about, then I'm in. I'll do it if that's what it is. I saw this glimpse of the kingdom as Jesus wants it to be, as it will be, where there's people from every race and ethnicity, socioeconomic Mm -hmm. status, educational Mm -hmm. level, place Mm -hmm. and time, Mm -hmm. all together, kneeling before the throne, worshiping Jesus, and I said, in. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm in. Uh-huh. And that was it for me. And really that experience kind of pushed me on 
to, to keep going towards that, to, to do what it is that I felt like the Holy Spirit was calling me to. I uh, went home and started uh, serving a lot more, not just being at the church, but actually doing things. Uh, a couple years later, I felt like the Holy Spirit was inviting me to leave my parents' church, which was complicated, uh, because I was supposed to take over for my dad, and that was a not-so-quiet secret in the church. Everybody knew. Uh, so when I left the church, I had to get in, up in front of everybody and, and tell them. Uh, true story. Awkward, awkward time. But I felt like God was asking me to go to a vineyard church in Columbus, Ohio, and so I left, and I joined there. It's been about 10 years there. It's where I really fell in love with the vineyard, with this group that we're a part of, and did a lot of different things, led small groups, was on staff part-time with small groups and with uh, coaching small group leaders over that time. And out of that, left and uh, went to seminary, which is where we met. And I continued my march further and further east east to the chagrin of much of my family. <laughs> I think we, I guess we could go further east. I shouldn't make that comment anymore, should I? <laughs> We're not quite at the water yet. But you know, for Sarah and I, one of the, the central components of our calling and our ministry has been a real focus on the cross. Uh, when we were leaving seminary, we were praying, and I felt like the Holy Spirit uh, gave me 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 4. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open up to that. It'll also be on the screen. But I just want to read that, and then Sarah's going to talk some more about it. And here's what it says. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 4. And this was the way it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I didn't come with fancy words or human wisdom. I preached to you the truth about God's love. My goal while I was with you was to talk about only one thing, and that was Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. When I came to you, I was weak and very afraid and trembling all over. I didn't preach my message with clever or compelling words. Instead, my preaching showed the Holy Spirit's power. Yeah, I think um, this verse was really important to us um, as a new couple and getting started in, in ministry as a married couple because it really helped us stay focused uh, on our calling the message version of this verse says, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is, then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. You know, Paul could have could have focused on, on other things. He was a smart guy. He was very intellectual. He, he valued study and, and being very intellectual. Um, but he made a conscious decision to keep it simple and to focus on Jesus and his death and his resurrection. Paul could have come up with some good stuff. The best we come up with is, is good. And then there's better. Right? The, the most brilliant theories about, about sound waves don't really compare to great music. The, the amazing research we've done into biology and, and, and how life works are no comparison for, for a new baby. And Paul wanted people to experience the good stuff of Jesus. He didn't want to give them Paul when he could give them Jesus. 
There's something about this message that's simple, but it can also be experienced. Paul invited people into the message of Jesus and then showed them the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to invite people into the good stuff of Jesus. Just come and experience. That's really what the vineyard's all about. Come as you are and experience the good stuff of Jesus. Labels like charismatic or whatever, that just means the good stuff of Jesus. In Providence, we, we went just, just the two of us. We didn't have a team. Uh, so we spent basically our whole time working with non-Christians, people outside the church. And you know, you can't go to people outside the church and say, here, sign on this dotted line that you agree with everything, and then, then later we can pray for, for guidance, or, or then later maybe you can get healed. No, you just, you just go and invite people into the good stuff of Jesus, just like Paul did. I, I think of one of uh, my friends in Providence. She's my age, um, very successful uh, career. Um, we met through mutual friends, and I just started inviting her to our small group. And I didn't say, well, you know, this might be something you want to check out. Ask some of your questions, your concerns that you have. Maybe we'll see if you like it. I said, I think you'll really like this. You know, we, we, we dig into a passage of, of the Bible. Uh, we have a time when, when people pray and a lot of people will experience like the peace of God or, or get clarity about something that they've been asking questions about. And I think it's perfect for, for what God's doing in your life right now. Because I really believed it. I really believed that God was doing something in her life. I wanted to encourage and affirm her in that journey. And I thought that this would be a really good place for her to continue taking steps with Jesus. Um, so she came, uh, you know, got involved in the small group a bit. Uh, she's had some health issues recently. And just watching her really pray into that and just start going, turning to Jesus and really her, her faith just, just blooming. It's been a joy, a joy to watch. Uh, and I think that's what we're excited for here in Hopkinton and in Milford is to, to see that happen. Um, I think the Holy Spirit has really birthed in us a desire to show uh, who Jesus is with clarity um, that just that constant invitation to join us in deepening relationship with Jesus. You know, the same as we're, we're doing, we just want to step deeper into what God has for us. We're inviting people to, to join us uh, in that. We want to do that with creativity, meeting people where they're already at, asking the, the questions that they have or, or the interests that they have, uh, really joining with the Holy Spirit and what he's already uh, doing. And I get excited thinking about what that will look like here in Hopkinton. Stephen and I, we, um, we were walking around uh, the farmer's market uh, a couple weeks ago, and the farmer's market says, we're not about food, we're about community. And whenever I hear uh, different things like that, like good things, and I, the gears in my head just start working like, ooh, community, that's a good thing. Okay, we've got a community here. How can we share, 
share Jesus' love in, in that community or, or other places around Hopkinton and Milford where there's some community going on. Um, as I pray for the schools here, um, the pressure to secede and perform, the social stress, uh, the pressure to conform, how do we really share Jesus's no-strings-attached love with students here? Students, I mean, need Jesus's love. I know I sure did. As uh, we check out a little bit of the art scene around here, uh, Arts and religion can address some overlapping topics. How, how can we use creativity to help people explore spirituality? So I just really believe that the gospel is good news. The gospel is good news here in Hopkinton. Jesus is compelling and attractive. And I'm excited to see how the Holy Spirit works to help people experience Jesus, and what that looks like uh, for this church community. Well, another part of our job here is uh, connecting with new people, uh, connecting them into the life of the church, and creating community for the under 40 crew here, and inviting more of them in. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Psalm 5, verses 11 and 12 say this. But you'll welcome us with open arms when we run for cover to you. Let the party last all night. Stand guard over our celebration. You are famous, God, for welcoming God seekers, for decking us out in delight. I really like that. Because I think that that's a really good image of what the church should be like when we're reflecting the heart of God to others. That we're, we're throwing parties we're welcoming people with open arms. There's genuine delight and joy in our faces and our actions and how we're engaging with other people. Uh, and we're, we're constantly attentive to welcoming God seekers. Welcoming God seekers is like the easy stuff, right? Finding those people who are already looking for Jesus and saying, we know where you can find them. Let's talk. Come in. And then creating space for them. We want to be doing that in the life of Vineyard Hopkinton. But what does this kind of look like? As I was thinking about this, I like to watch movies. I watch a lot of movies, and I really like movies that make me cry. That's just what it is. Sorry. Sometimes that's a good rom-com. I don't hate them. Not at all. Sometimes, you know, it's a little bit more serious than that. You know, good dramedy or just a drama. But in lots of those movies, they have, you know, kind of like the, the family dinner scenes, right? If you've seen movies, you've seen it. You always get excited for those parts because you know something's going to happen. They're, you're going to get to see the good, bad, and the embarrassing. People's true character is going to come out. And you're going to fall in love with everybody who's there. You're going to feel really welcomed into it. And whoever's been invited into it is going to leave wanting to be invited back, right? What's the point in writing that into a movie if that's not the case? And I think that in many ways, that's how the church should be. When we're inviting people into the life of Vineyard Hopkinton, those are some of the things that we should see. There should be joy in it. There should be a, a continuous sense of welcoming where you're seeing the reality of who we are. 
the good, bad, and maybe the embarrassing. That happens sometimes. Where you're getting really intricately involved in the lives of people around you. And where people want to come back. Where they're asking if they can be invited back in. And you don't even need to give them an answer because they already know that the answer is yes. That there is space for them. That they're welcomed back continuously. And I specifically want to encourage us to be creating those sorts of spaces for people under 40. I know Rob's talked about this a little bit um, in the past. And Sarah and I are really excited to be able to kind of jump into that community in this part of Massachusetts to get to know people that fit that age group. And all of you here know people who fit that age group. Don't disqualify yourself just because that might not be you. Whether it could be your kids, could be friends, coworkers, neighbors, lots of different options. People that you see at your favorite restaurant, who knows? But we, I want to encourage you to invite those people in. Invite them in to the life and the community here. And when they say yes, when, not if, when, don't be so surprised. Create space. Be thinking, okay, where could I invite them into? If they actually come to church, what's the next step? Where could I be, who could I be connecting them with? How could I be inviting them in and making sure that they know that they're wanted here, that they're a part of it, that they're kind of necessary in the life of our church? You know a secret? People my age like intergenerational churches. Sometimes that's not always the vibe. I get that. Because sometimes people my age hold some of those cards close to their chest. But they've done lots of studies, lots of surveys. And one thing that continuously comes is they say that they really want to go to a church with people in different stages of life. It's what they want. What, what can you do about that, right? And that's us. We're an intergenerational church. They want to be a part of this type of community. But the key is that they want to know that there's a spot for them, that there's space. And so I want to encourage us to be creating those spaces, to be intentionally creating room. If somebody comes in and they feel like they have to be here another 10 years before they can do anything that matters, they're not going to stay. No one wants that. No one wants to kind of be a non-entity for 10 years before they're allowed to be a part of the life of something. But if they come in and they know immediately that there's ways that they can pour into it, it could be very small. It, it could be greeting people at the door. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, putting them into, you know, paid staff immediately. It can be small, easy ways. But they want to pour into it. Another thing about people my age is that they like to serve. So give them opportunities to do those sorts of things. Let's joyfully welcome young families, single people under 40, and the God-seekers who God's just bringing to our doors. Let's create spaces for them intentionally and with, with thought. As we end, when I invite Brian and uh, the, the worship team back up. But in that Psalm 5, the psalmist tells us that our God is famous for celebrating us and for delighting 
in what he's doing in our lives. I think we need to be better at inviting people into our celebrations. We need to have joy and think. Sometimes Christians can be super, super serious. And that's good. Vulnerability and seriousness is good. But we need to have joy with that. People want to be invited into the good things that are happening. They want to see the good news that Jesus brings. So here's my encouragement to you this morning. Three things for each one of you to do. They're real easy. Celebrate new people. If you see new people, celebrate the heck out of them. You know, maybe don't give them a hug until you're sure if they're okay with that. You know, got to be real. Uh, I'm from Ohio, so, you know, everybody there gives hugs. This is New England, though, so, you know, maybe give a little more space, you know. Keep it, keep it good. Don't scare them off. But celebrate the guests who join us and create space for them. I've said that multiple times, and I hope that it's sinking in a little bit. Be praying about what that looks like. What does it mean to create space for new people in the life of Vineyard Hopkinton? And finally, pray for God to show us how to create those new spaces for those that he wants to bring into our community. Because I think he wants, there's lots of people in this area that I think Jesus wants to bring through our doors. He's just waiting for us to create the space for them. So let's be praying about how we can do that well. I think God wants Vineyard Hopkinton to be famous in this area for welcoming God-seekers, for being a church that's joyful, that's inviting, that's one step beyond just friendly. Friendly's good, but let's go a step beyond that. Let's be truly invitational into the life of what's going on here, joyfully. And Sarah and I don't want to do this on our own. That's not why Rob hired us, is so that we can go do these things by ourselves. We want to do them with you. Deal? Deal. We want to partner with you. Uh, we want, and so if there's things that we've been talking about, evangelism, creating welcoming spaces for guests, reaching under 40s in our community, if any one of those three things is getting you excited, then tell us about it. Come and share your heart, your passions for doing these things with us. And let's talk about how we can partner together to do these things well. We're really excited to be here. We're excited to be a part of Vineyard Hopkinton, to be a part of this community. And we're excited to just simply partner together with sharing the amazing reality of who Jesus is and the good news of the kingdom with people in this area. Are you excited about that too? I know that that's our heart. So let's do that together. So now we're going to transition to right. worship. Uh, they're going to lead us in a few songs, and then I'll be up at the end to invite you up for prayer uh, and to release this. Sound good?